0: It's called Managing Expectations. Thank you for joining, whether it's live here or you're catching it on Spotify or Apple. Week two, this is probably a week longer than I'd imagined it'd be, so we're already going above and beyond. Um, I have my good friend Andrew Wiebe here, and I'm excited for him to be here. For listeners of Extra Time Radio, should I do the thing? Do the thing? I mean, ah! From the Jersey Shore, New Jersey. Oh, man. you're listening to Twitter I don't chases. know, man. Maybe I gotta stop doing
1: that. Like I hear you do that, and I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't like know it? if I like that. When I listen to the like the YouTube one, I go to get the link to tweet it out. I hear the beginnings, and I think to myself, should I still do that, or should I change it? We'll You see. have to. We'll see. You it have is, to keep it forever. It's years. It's years of uh, muscle memory. There. Can I ask you though? Because I don't think this was. First of all. Uh, just an honor and a pleasure to be here uh, to follow in the footsteps of Matt Doyle. It's, it's just, that's a privilege that uh, I often get actually. And I'm always happy to have, but what, where did managing expectations come from? Give us the story here. Cause I don't think this was a named podcast prior to it going up <laughs> on iTunes or wherever you have it right now.
0: I love this so much because I was about halfway through the intro. Uh, you grabbed the steering wheel and then you started asking questions. Hostily dies. Oh. I love it. Just muscle memory taking Oops. over. Don't worry. It's okay. It's easy breezy. just a conversation. Um, yeah, it went from – I was surprised to see that there was a supposed argue, uh, audience for this. You could easily download it on Twitter spaces and, and other mechanisms and even you know tech, technologically – Idiot like me could figure out. So I was deciding, all right, I guess we'll make it a, a podcast. And then started half jokingly texting people asking what the name should be. Some good, funny suggestions. John Mueller came up with, uh, I must ask you a question. Gotta make it sound like it's an interview show, slash, too seriously. So I figured that self deprecating notion, slash, like, you should really have low expectations coming into this, made uh, managing expectations fit. Shout out to uh, my friend Kenny Freeman, who came up with it. In case he's listening right now, I'm furiously typing typing out text to me, asking for credit, asking for credit. So that's where that name came from.
1: I like it. I think it fits. Uh, and I can't wait to see what it becomes. And, and to get more Tom Bogan in my life. I, I have so much. I'm overflowing. <laughs> much. And there's only one way uh, that I want it, and that's exactly like that. So it, back to your intro, man.
0: I'm sorry. I stepped <laughs> on your toes. I thought there was a break there. Uh, I was just going to say that you are the unofficial king of Twitter spaces, particularly in MLS, So You had to be on immediately, and I, and I appreciate you gracing me. With your time. And my question was going to be How does it feel to not be in the host chair? How does it feel for you to hear me bite your famous ETR intro? Uh, but you've already answered these questions.
1: Well, I, you know, not really. Actually, it's interesting because, like, when I'm hosting, sometimes I sit there and maybe it's because I'm talking to people that I think just know more about the game than I do. Sometimes I think, Oh man, I don't have that much to say. But then when I flip it on the other side and I go on serious or I go on a different podcast or whatever it might be. I'm like, oh, maybe I do have things to say. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if I have <laughs> things to say on this show, Tom. But uh, there's so much to talk about. It, it feels like I was I was away this morning. I was at a doctor's appointment, and I come back, and it just feels like every time I do that in this league now, something big happens. And I almost don't feel like we're making a big enough deal of Hector Herrera. Like, I don't I – just to the dynamo. To right? the dynamo. Yeah.
0: Good Transition, so that's what that's kind of the big topic that we're going to get into. Uh, but yeah, even even for somebody who was paying attention to everything all day, who again I uh, had reported that Houston Dynamo first made an offer a couple weeks ago. Um, I was one of the first to report that the deal was you know agreed yesterday, or uh, yeah, I believe yesterday or maybe the day before. Um, and then this morning I knew it was completely done and I figured it announced it was coming today. Even that, as somebody who was knowing that this was all coming, I was still kind of overwhelmed with everything that came with it. So, the quick backstory Houston Dynamo have officially announced the acquisition of Mexico international Hector Herrera on a pre-contract agreement when he will join in July. Once his contract with Atletico Madrid expires in the summer. One interesting note, uh, he didn't want to do any interviews. He didn't want to be part of the opening press conferences. He didn't want to do any kind of videos about Houston because he's so mentally stuck into Atletico Madrid. He doesn't want any of the Madrid fans to think that he's, you know, got his mind elsewhere for the rest of the season, which is pretty cool. But yeah, Weeby, we go back to that. This is this is a huge deal, right? Uh, it's.
1: I, I just want to. I want to just remind people, and when I say to the Houston Dynamo, like what that means. Here are the Dynamo's previous DPS: Luis Angel Landin, who's been a favorite of mine as like a trivia question for a lot of years now. So <laughs> much so that it's gone. Boniac Garcia, Giles Barnes, Alexander Lopez. Now, I remember being a big Alex Lopez guy. Really <laughs> thought that that was going to pop. It didn't. Demarcus Beasley, that's a good one from Puebla. Mm-hmm. Maromano Notas, that worked. Eric Torres worked. No, probably not. Ish. Albert Elise definitely did. Tomas Martinez, eh, not at the level you'd want to. And certainly, if you look at other DPS around the league, not at that level. Darwin Quintero, okay. Teenage DB they have now. Sebastian uh, Ferreira, TBD, and now Hector Herrera. He is on a completely different level, and probably like, like by two or you know mm-hmm. a couple levels from anybody else they've ever even sniffed. This is a team with one of the lowest payrolls in the league. When Ted Siegel came in and talked a big game, it would be easy, and, and I'm everybody did it, watching this league, following this league, sort of analyzing this league for a long time, to be like, oh yeah, sure, in Houston, we'll see. <laughs> you know? But it hasn't, it hasn't taken long. You know, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of impatience there. Maybe you can point to Paul Nagamura and say, was that as ambitious as you might have liked? it could be really good, and, and that matters more than ambition. And you have to mm. remake the culture somehow. But this, this is like a club transforming, change the the paradigm signing for the Houston Dynamo. I, I thought what Onstead said, hey, look, the Diego Linus stuff, which I would love for to be, I wish that was true, Tom. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't, I came on this show wanting to say that it was going to be true, and then I saw your tweet saying it wasn't true, and that was highly disappointing to me. But, like, just the presence of Hector Herrera at the Houston Dynamo changes their ability to sign players, changes what it feels like in that locker room. I thought Charlie Davies had a really apt comparison the other day when we were talking about this possibility on extra time, which a locker room that that he was in in Jermaine Jones. Like, I think it's going to be that sort of presence. And unlike maybe Jermaine in New England, Mm. Ace Ace in Houston, if they do this right, it ought to be a massive thing. And he he ought not be – the only big name they go out and get, in my opinion, if this truly is if they are truly changing the club, this ha- this is an incredible start, but it has
0: to be just the start. Yeah. I, and on that front, um, at the kind of intro, intro press conference with, with Paul Nagamura and Pat Onset, he was pretty quick to say this is the biggest signing in club history and it's not even close. And then when he kind of did a quick non-sequitur, he was like, all due respect. And I was "Hmm," like, who's he going to bring up? He's like, all due respect to Sebastian Ferreira, who was signed a month ago and is probably still up there. And I was like, oh my God, like you put it into the best words, just going back to like what their DP signing were. And like somebody like Mara Minotas wasn't a DP when he got here, they signed a a DP extension. So like, you know, DeMarcus Beasley, probably the biggest name out of them, just given where he was in his career. It's like, again, it's, you know, not even in the same stratosphere, like most of these signings for this team, like, and going with, with Ted Siegel, it wasn't, it, it was a big game. Or it was a big game. He was saying grandiose things, but like, to be fair, he wasn't saying anything that was like totally wild. It was like, yeah, our spending is definitely going to go up. It's not very difficult to do when you were the last, the, the lowest spending team in the league when he arrived. And I think he was, he was being calculated in how he was saying it. Cause he didn't want to, you know, I'm certain that he knew that the reserves were there for Hector Herrera or a player like this when he's arrived. But I think that he was smart to not kind of really lay out like this is what we're going to do just in case you know a move moves like this aren't easy moves like these take time moves like these are are very complicated Onstad said a couple months ago they started sending out feelers and uh, finding out this is a realistic opportunity started to get serious a couple weeks ago and you know Onstad and and Siegel in the front office kind of had agreed upon a budget and expectations as far as spending this offseason and Onstad as he was retelling it was laughing like yeah like three days later we we realized, like, you know, Herrera's um, representation were pretty, tr- uh, you know, transparent and honest and, and direct and like, hey, this is kind of what we're going to need to consider it or th- these are our salary expectations. And he's like, yeah, I had to turn around to to go back and knock on his door in his office and say, hey, I know we just agreed on budgets, but um, it might take a little bit more to sign Hector Herrera and to see what's going news, He was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I think that that was really cool. And again, it really is a transformational type of move for this team, whether this makes them, you know, X amount of better this year, however many points it is. It's, it is something we're, we're talking about the dynamo right now. You guys were talking about the dynamo on ETR. Uh, David Goss was talking about the dynamo leading the show of, uh, of MS today, we're talking about the dynamo. We didn't do this at all last year.
1: No. And, and honestly, not just last year, it's been a while. It, it has been a while since the Houston dynamo were consistent, legitimately ambitious I'm, I'm just a legitimately ambitious club, like trying to be whether it was in the middle or whether it was in the top, trying to be there and trying to take steps. I mean, this is a crazy ambitious move. And I'm, I'm curious what you know about the salary side of things here, because I was looking through oh. a what, oh, what current guys make on the club and then looking through sort of the entire league and what we've seen, the six point five million thing bandied about. And it seems like he has a two-and-a-half-year deal because he's coming in the summer with the year mm. option on the back of that, correct? So yes. $6.5 million dollars would put him at the very top of the pay structure in MLS. Like, you're talking, so, that's that's Carlos Vela. That's Carlos Vela money. That's Chicharito money. That is Iguain money. And those are really the mm. only guys that are sniffing that number. That feels like a lot of money, but per season – But maybe it isn't per season. I don't know. What do you know?
0: Yeah, um, I'll preface this by saying I don't have any sourcing or anything directly on this, but I I would be surprised if it's 6.5 million annual rather than kind of total, because then that would put it at something closer to what, two, two and a half? And I think that's more in line with, say, his position, his age, um, and again, the the club's history. Yo, it's it's, it's not like
1: two, two and a half is a freaking bargain.
0: I and cannot, that's that's the thing I too. I don't so this... believe
1: for a second that Hector Herrera, who just got called the best national team player in El Tree by Tata, mm. who though he doesn't have a huge fair role enough. with Letty, is is. I cannot believe that he would come in on let's just let's just say Maxi Morales money
0: yeah. in a World yeah, Cup I, I here
1: in in Houston. Just the yeah. like, just those just that side of it like if I'm Hector Herrera I'm like you know that you are going to have a Mexican starter you know knock on wood injuries happen bad things happen why am I even (laughs) saying that I should just shut up (laughs) but like if if I'm Hector Herrera and his people that is a that's a huge sell I'm looking at the Houston Dynamo saying you need me (laughs) you need me like and, and maybe that's why they're going back to get money but like I don't know. This to me feels like in the long run, a bargain, no matter what the number is at. And if I had Mm -hmm. to guess, I'd be guessing more in the like, I don't know, like over 3 million a year for sure range, but maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the market wasn't strong. I don't know. Uh, But this is, this this has got to be, to me, that's got to be in the zone we're talking about.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point. And and let's, you know, be clear that even that 6.5 million number, I, I don't remember who reported it or where it came from. So we, we could be operating from a false from a you know, it's, a it's false just a starting team, so. point. We have no information,
1: it's speculation. <laughs> We're just looking at the player salaries and looking at Hector Herrera and trying to extrapolate here. But mm-hmm. listen, even if it is three million, that's basically triple what anybody else
0: in the Dynamo makes. Right. Right. And and what what that would have been Darwin Contreras last year too, right? And and he he re-signed on a Correct. deal that was less than what he had last year. Yeah. So with Herrera, he. Um, has not been a regular with Atletico Madrid this year. Uh, some numbers, he has 15 La Liga appearances, only four starts. Um, interestingly, he has started both of their last two league games. Um, he has three Champions League appearances, only one of which is a start, which was his last game. That was against Manchester United. That was when uh, Houston Dynamo GM Pat Onstad flew to Spain to watch Hector Herrera. But, you know, you don't, you're not going to learn anything new you didn't know about Hector Herrera by watching him for 90 minutes. Um, that was obviously to go meet him and go speak with him. They had meetings. That's, I guess, where the deal kind of got finalized or, or, or pushed over the line. Herrera spoke with Onstad in person, obviously. He spoke, you know, digitally with, with Pao Nagamura, with owner Ted Siegel. Um, one of the things that he was most impressed by was just kind of how aligned all three of those people and And, and I believe he talked with other people in the front office as well. Uh, he was impressed with what the project was, how aligned everybody was.
1: God, gotta love some good alignment. It
0: it made it easier for him. Yes. But again, it, it wasn't just Pat onset Like Ted Siegel kind of taking the time to, you know, help smooth this over and get it over line. I'm sure that Hector Herrera would have enjoyed that, hearing from an owner, the owner taking time. And, and okay, they they really, really do want me. So I guess with all that being said, all these niceties, does this push them? I mean, I'm not even going to ask you if this makes them a playoff team. Does this even make them that much closer to being a playoff team? Oh, are you kidding me? You have Hector but Herrera wait, in your team? like
1: I mean, closer, yeah. But wherever like... they were, wherever they were on your spectrum, putting Hector Herrera in this team, go look okay. at the depth chart. <laughs> go look at the depth chart. Putting Hector Herrera on this team absolutely puts them significantly closer to being a playoff
0: team. All right. That, it's, period. It, it, period. Does that make up the ground that they need to? Again, and, like, this isn't to suggest that, regardless of what the answer is, that it would or would not have been worth it if, if it doesn't take them over the playoff line no, this year. Or probably next, not. Like,
1: probably not. They probably
0: are not a playoff team this year. Like, the, what I else think, do they I need?
1: That's, I mean, for sure, a winger, I think. Mm-hmm. Somebody stretch the field. They need Sebastian Ferreira to be really quite good. Like, mm-hmm. not just okay. Probably, like, 12 to 15 goals good first year in the league center forward. They need him to be healthy. Uh, and they need, the, they need to truly change, like, the culture of who they are and their understanding of the way they want to play. Like, Paola Nagamura's ideas have to seep in. I don't think making the playoffs this year – I should say – I don't think they missed the playoffs this year, that this year is a failure. To me, this year right now is already a success. Like, what expectations did you have of the Houston Dynamo coming into this year? Very little. This, even just in perception – And it doesn't, I'm not just, I'm not talking about our perception or, you know, I am the fan base, but also the perception inside the locker room and inside the club, like the message that this sends, that Mm -hmm. makes this year a success. Unless they were going to go, they went out and just face planted the whole year, looked completely disjointed. You're like, oh my God, this isn't, you know, I'm trying to, this is a Gabriel Heinze situation, which it won't be because Nagamura is not Heinze. He has a ton of experience in this league. He has experience bridging all these sort of personalities Mm -hmm. and cultures that you have to. And now he's got a guy that's going to come in. And I hope I hope that this is the case. I assume that this is the case. I don't know, Ache, Ache. Obviously, the folks in Mexico and the folks in Spain would have a better feel for, and Portugal would have a better feel for him as sort of a player within a club. But again, I expect him to come into this club and be a driving force in changing it. I expect him, though he isn't as young as Michael Bradley was when he went to Toronto FC, to be the sort of cultural sort of power Michael was to change Toronto from laughing stock to, you know, treble winners. I'm not saying Houston Dynamo are going to be treble winners because oh, by the way, that <laughs> took signing Jovinko and that took Josie Althador. and that took mm-hmm. building a roster up and down that was full of both, you know, MLS experienced talent and Concacaf talent as well as young players. But like, this is the start, right? This is this is what Onstad was brought in to do. This is what Ted Siegel had to be thinking when he bought the club, like. I want, I hope they can take advantage of it, but even just doing it this year makes this season a success. Just imagine when Pat Onsad was signed, was was signed when he was announced and somebody came to you, Tom, and said, Pat Onsad a couple months is going to sign Hector Herrera. Even that I would, I would be, I don't, I don't would have been shocked. I would have been shocked. Yeah. You know, I would have, you're insane. Like I don't, they're going to be, they're going to (laughs) go for it, but I think you're a little bit crazy. Like, Ah it's it's yep. it is truly massive and it's not just massive with people like us it's massive for people who's you know in Mexico who are bouncing mm-hmm. back and forth between English and Spanish at home and wherever they are in Houston like I just don't think they could have hit this out of the park any better
0: that's a good point. And again, I, I agree with all of this. Um, and maybe I just went too much in the soccer nerd or, or dude, too much of looking directly. Disagree. Feel, uh, disagree I, with like, me if you want to, <laughs> please do push. No, back. no, I, I completely, I, I completely agree. It's the lens that I was kind of framing that question and that you completely nuked in terms of, there's no way for me to even argue the other side of that My only the only like now the real little white flag that I would wave is, is that he's 31. He turns 32 in April. So he'll get here at 32. Um, who knows where they're going to be in air quote the playoff race at the time he gets here, and if there's enough of something to change. So Thiering, his first full season, he'll be 33. This just feels like a win now kind of move for a team that is four or five moves away from being win now. And again, that that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have done it. That doesn't mean it's not a good signing. But I think that was the only, I guess, other side of this argument that I wanted to raise.
1: Hell yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like hell yeah it's a, like good it's a win now move like great if that's the framing awesome like, gr- when's the last time you said that about the houston dynamo like when they traded <laughs> for Corey baird and no offense to Corey baird i'm just saying like that's you know that's a, like hey i wonder if we can get something you know more than what the, you know la have been able to get out of him and take him back to his rsl form like i like karskia i really think he's a good player i, mm-hmm. I don't i they have in the rundown here whether they're going to sign him long term but i hope they do but, like, look at this lineup. Tell me – yes, hell yes. I'm so glad that it's <laughs> Tell a, if, yes. if a, a win-now move, great. But, like, even if it's not, it's a we-want-to-be-a-winning team in the future move, and we're willing to invest yeah. in that, and that's the most important thing to us. And also, oh, by the way, it would be nice to be relevant uh, in a bigger way in our market. And, like, you have one of the best players on L3 – Signing to your team before the end of qualifying, before this long run of friendlies, and arriving in the summer and playing in your market, preparing for the World Cup with the Houston Dynamo. Just that sentence changes the way people look at your club, whether it's inside or out. And that's what this signing is. It is a club-changing signing. And, and all I'm saying here is, like, I don't care if they don't make the playoffs. Like, maybe they will. Who knows? Maybe Ferreira mm-hmm. will tear it up. Like, week one is in the books, and, I, you know, whatever. For the Houston Dynamo, it wasn't a, a one-week league for them. Like, they're going to have to figure it out over 34. But, like, even if they don't, just this signing alone and the signal that it sends to everybody around the club, it, I just – I can't – I can't say how big I, – I really can't overemphasize how big I think that is.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Again, with all that, I, I think that it is a huge deal, and I do hope that it kind of translates to more – relevancy for this team in terms of be it attendance or, or again national relevancy like us like i hope that in you know whatever after he makes his debut three weeks later that you know when we are continuing to have reasons to talk about the dynamo so that's exciting but a couple more on the dynamo before we moving on uh you touched on it a little bit Coco karskia he has he's only on loan through the summer there's a purchase option um from my understanding it won't 100% make him a dp but that it that would make him in the DP high-TAM range where they could use a DP spot on him the same way they did with teenage Hadabe, or they could not. So that sounds like they would have to have a lot of TAM to be able to buy down both Karaskia and Hadabe if they were to sign Karaskia long-term. So what do you think that means for his future?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know, man, because I don't know how much TAM they have. I hope they do it. Like, that's just what I'd tell you. is I, I hope that the Houston Dynamo make, make a business of finding resources to sign good players to help them win soccer games. And yeah. he is a good player. And I think the way yeah. that Nagamura is going to play, him and Ace in front of a dedicated six with Ferreira up top. And again, I would go back to it. Like, you know, find a way to get it to free up another DP spot so that you can get out when well, you did because you have Darwin Quintero. I guess you filled that with Herrera. But find a way to get another DP winger in here. Um, yeah. And one thing I want to just say, and I've sort of ranted about, like, this is club changing. Like, the Houston Dynamo have never really connected. It doesn't feel like. Truly with their market, whether it be from like a youth soccer and development sense, while you see FC Dallas just churning up the road, like Houston has been very quiet on that front. They also have been extremely quiet in sort of exploring the duality of where they are located in the world. Like they've done a poor job connecting with Mexican-Americans or with Mexicans, because look, Monterey, as Anstead said, is like a five-hour drive away. Like they have they sit in a they sit in a place in a city that's massively multicultural and it's not just you know latino it's it's all across the board with these opportunities to make inroads and I hope that this is a sign that that they're doing that like and i'm not just I'm not just saying I'm like, oh cool, we're gonna eat chats games, but like true <laughs> community relations like we like the players in in your team and the people in your front office and the people within your club are, we connect like naturally and they're out in the community, they're doing things, they're in the stadium, they're interacting with us. Just the fact that you have Ace Aceh wearing orange and you can slap that thing up around Houston, mm-hmm. there should just be so many more people that are ready to engage in the club. And I'm hugely encouraged um, in that sense. That and, and Onset has said it. He said, look, we've, we've really fallen short in that. You see the rest of MLS going to Liga Max, plucking players out of L3, developing players that can play for either the u.s or l3 like that is what the houston dynamo should be doing that is the mission like they have huge potential and they have realized so very little of it in modern mls that like let's go i'm i'm i am truly truly excited about this in a in a big big way last one
0: here and to i guess stick on the mexican national team theme um, you alluded to it before that there were some rumors that the club were in talk to San Diego Linas, um, that at the very least is completely overblown per sources, if not straight up false from. Uh, the oh, reporting wait, wait, wait. To... if
1: not. So there's a little bit of middle ground here. There's a we can wiggle in.
0: Okay. Look, the 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 reason that I even <laughs> framed it like that is because anxiety. The reporting sucks. There's always anxiety because what if it well, changes tomorrow? Yeah. Whatever you just say, and you
1: can Pat, say this Pat- is gonna this could change. But for now, they're saying <laughs> well, they're not, Hell that's no. weak.
0: But Pat On said he. It, I think he was prepared for these questions because in multiple one-on-one interviews with with Giannone and then in a press conference um, with uh, wider media, he had almost word for word the same answer when he was asked about Diego Linez. Look, I don't want to be. I'm not going to comment on players that are under contract with other teams. But that being said, uh, Hector Herrera is the greatest recruiting tool for Mexican players, which, again, like, that spiked my anxiety for, if we're going to go inside baseball here. So, like, I, I, I didn't love to hear that, but that's, again, that's I, – I wouldn't expect him to say anything other than I'm not going to comment on, on players that are on other teams because denying a rumor would be commenting on that player from another Correct. team. But, again, my reporting is that the club inquired about Diego Liney's Lainey, a uh, month ago or not, not necessarily a month ago, just at some point in the past, um, and that's as far as it went. Um, that's what I know, and, you know, that's what I'm sticking to. So don't don't start printing out your Diego Linus jerseys. But I do know that they are – still, no, I've heard some other targets that, that they're in for some – some. I wouldn't call them big names, but i call them high-quality players from Europe. Again, nothing that I'm comfortable or ready to report because, as we've learned with, say, Linus here, like, sure, maybe that there was some contact in, hey, is he available? No, he's not. Okay, thank you or there was reports going wild about the Brazilian midfielder Chichi, who was offered to the club as he was offered to Cincinnati and Houston. I don't even think ever responded, but, but, you know, there was some dubious reporting that had that carried away that Chichi was about to sign with the team when, when that wasn't close. So there is a difference between scouting interest and then, you know, there being something serious or close to happening. Um, I feel pretty confident that there is not something close to happening with Diego Linus, but you know, I would love to be being proved wrong. Just but to look, you know, I mean, are we narrative. confirming here that there was a that, that they
1: asked the question? Like, yeah, that yeah. alone, that alone, that the Houston yeah. Dynamo asked that question and thought on the other side, we we can get this done if the answer is yes. All right, and that's where I go back to the I go back to Ace Ace as well. Just the fact that a Houston Dynamo GM could explore that, believe that it that it was possible, and that that they could do it, go get the money to do it, but then also sell Ace Ace, like something is. This is a change. This is a big yeah. change for the Houston Dynamo as an organization. And if you think about what Pat Onsad was involved in, the, one of the last big deals he did when he was in Columbus that was club changing was L- Lucas El mm-hmm. I, I hope that these relationships continue to pay dividends for them.
0: All right. On that, I think that we've covered the hell out of Houston Dynamo, way, Hector Herrera. And <laughs> by the way, if covered the Dynamo. If they signed
1: Lioness. It would melt down the L3 fan base, I feel. (laughs) It would just be a complete and utter meltdown if anything that I've been sort of reading
0: on the back end and in comments today has been any indication
1: on Ache Ache. So uh, at the very least, I'm here for that.
0: The banter would be great. Okay, now that we've officially covered the hell out of this story and this team, you know, transitioning to... I guess secondary stuff, looking back at opening weekend, um, I probably won't be doing this necessarily every week, but opening week, there were, were some surprises. There's some obviously obvious takeaways to go. I know an extra time. You guys, uh, went very deep into all of these games and, and covered it wonderfully. I hope that everybody listens to that. And I hope that we don't kind of mulch over the same ground here. Uh, but we'll just go with a couple kind of, of takeaways or things that interested you from the opening weekend. I'll start to make it easier for you. Um, I'm generally very intrigued at what Inter Miami did tactically. I think that the 5-3-2 or 5-2-2-1, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you, you view kind of gonzalez Higuain's position, is really cool and really useful. I like him kind of playing this second striker slash free roll slash whatever. Go go create chances and goals and, and do whatever you want. Maybe that there's going to be room for – there. they played with three defensive-minded midfielders and Gregory, Gene Mota, and Mo Adams um so they were kind of lacking a little bit of creativity against the Chicago Fire in that no no draw but DeAndre Yedlin bombing up the right flank I loved and and again like hopefully Leo Campagna has a better showing and better chemistry with Gonzalo Higuaín moving forward but like I think that they that this was a really good decision by Phil Neville and it's something that I'm going to keep my eye on moving forward
1: I'm disappointed solely because I have Gonzalo Higuaín in the Golden Boot draft for extra time and I want him <laughs> closer to goal but for Inter Miami I'm not as disappointed because this seems like a role that that fits him Mm-hmm. Really snugly. Uh, let's just jump on the Ariel Lassiter train for the time being. Just say, hey, let you get, Let's get Ariel Lassiter in there and Campana. You, you just, you know, you'll get your opportunities. Take them when you get them. But Lassiter looked a lot more effective. Just want to call it Noah right. Allen in this game because uh, yep. kill Marshall Ruddy has gotten a lot of pub both on you know across Noah the... Allen on a four day contract. <laughs> Correct. Plays seventy eight <laughs> minutes. Um, you know, has the wonderful the wonderful curls going. Has come was the League One Young Player of the Year, I believe, for Inter Miami uh, last year, or the year before, something like that. Has been in youth national teams, but a 17 year old come up through the academy, and the way they celebrated that moment, and, and by the way, the way he played, uh, more importantly, I think is a really that's a really good sign for them as a club as well, because they're sort of in the, that rebuild mode, right? Like we're sort of looking at Houston Dynamo and being like, and the Houston Dynamo DPS, I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, some solid ones in there, like oh, I got that one on the cheap. Like, it feels like Inter-Miami right now are sort of in the, hey, how many good deals can we find phase uh, with minimal, like, commitment over the next year and a half, two years to set a foundation to jump off from once the sanctions are gone and once, you know, we're in a better place as far as our, our DP spots and our spend in those areas. So, like, I, I would trust Chris Henderson to yep. to fix this personally. And you just got to get him time. Like, there, there's no other way. He has to have time given the degree of changes they had
0: to make. Look, honestly, like, there – I think it'd be disingenuous to say that they're anything close to already there. But, like, the, how quickly this happened, you can compare it with other teams that you absolutely knew were wanted to do a tear down and rebuild. Like, FC Cincinnati, they didn't do anywhere near as much as the moves that Inter Miami did. Again, this is not easy when everybody in the world knows that you're trying to get rid of players that you can't – usually find deals and good value for that. But he was kind of able to maneuver out 17 players. That's a match day squad that he was able to get out. And look at this this opening 11, nine of the 11 players were not on the team last year. Two of the three subs were not on the team last year. So that's 11 of 14 new players. And they have a real foundation with, you know, Yedlin, Damian Lowe. Like those are, are really good signings. I think and pretty quickly proven MLS signings, both at their stages of career and their, with their national teams. And then, you know, Gregory was their, I guess, best addition last year. And he's obviously very good and well-respected. Chris Henderson was involved in the João Paulo signing for Seattle. And Gregory, that's two for two on, you know, the three to four million-ish type of veteran in prime, Brazilian center mid. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume that Jean Mata is good because he's, he's batting a 1,000 on those two players. So if you have a foundation of that and whatever Gonzalo Higuain gives you in this nine-and-a-half-ish free, whatever we want to call it, role, like if they were able to get a DP spot open – in the Rodolfo Pizarro deal. Like that's the only disappointment I think that I've had from their off season is that there wasn't a way to say like Monterey, whether you you give us a dollar as a loan fee or you have to cover X amount of his salary, we can't do this unless this happens. That like they, they have an open DP spot with Blazeman Tweedy. I'd assume that they're going to fill that in the summer rather than over the next two months before the uh, primary transfer window uh, closes. But again, even just one DP. And if it's the like right kind of creative slash somebody who can shoulder the burden, in terms of just attacking and and somebody who can run in behind a little bit better so that they're not relying on Deandre Yedlin to be the creative wide outlet the entire time. You know, if you, if they, if they have somebody else like that on the DP level, like that's pushing for a playoff team like that, they, they were, I think that was one of the teams that impressed me the most. Again, maybe just going off of what I thought their expectations were. I I really, you know, again, Chicago, who knows what they're going to be. Maybe we look back on this in a few weeks and, and, you know, inter-Miami, maybe the wheels come off, but then as far as a week one overreaction, that was something that I was really impressed by.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, let's hope it's like a Nacho Piatti type. You know, right. Somebody who wants to stretch the line a little bit, but can also pick it up 1v1 outside and, and create and cut it back for Gonzalo. I mean, they have a luxury here despite the fact that they had to basically say, hey, somebody take Julian Carranza off our hands. Hey, <laughs> somebody please take Rodolfo Pizarro off our hands. And they still have this DP <laughs> spot that they're going to get into. They do have Sanctions, as far as the allocation money goes, but like Cincinnati, don't have Gonzalo Higuain. Like, right. Very few teams in MLS have Gonzalo Higuain, and people can make jokes about that and uh, how how prepared he was, say, physically to play. But if he is prepared physically and he's locked into it, things are going to things will change for them. And I, I think this definitely, I think your take on that is right. It's this could be. Uh, a team that right now should be like, hey, I think we could sneak into that playoff area and if they get reinforcements in the summer, should think to themselves there's no reason why we can't be playing in the playoffs.
0: Seven yeah, teams I'm is a lot.
1: Why can't we get there?
0: Yeah. And then the East is I think is gonna be very competitive and very deep, but as long as they pick up kind of enough points in this first segment of the season, they'll, you know, they'll have a chance to be in it. Whether that's I got I don't think that everybody's gonna run away with it. I think there are a lot of good teams in the East. There'll be a lot of teams taking points off each other. So uh, I completely agree with that. As far as uh, one negative one that I'm going to shift to, I really, I, I was singing Vanny Sartini's praises all of, since pretty much the day he took over last year and kind of those first few results. I think he's a phenomenal coach, phenomenal motivator and a very good tactician. That's something that we forget about because we look at him and, and everything else that he brings in terms of, of his character and, and that, that energy and everything else he does. I loved the three four two one that they did last year and I thought it was the best way for them to be in a position to succeed. I hated the three one four two, and that sounds like nitpicking and a very small change, but they look disjointed. Michael Baldissimo as like a single pivot in front of a back three. It doesn't really make sense to me. And, I, it, you know, they had to have some injuries. I think Alexandre is Alexandre is, is out still. Um Maybe they didn't trust Sebastian Berhalter going that first game, whatever it was. Like, I don't love taking Ryan Gold from a number 10 and making him a number eight. I just think that you want to put him as close to the goal as you can. And his work rate is strong enough that he's going to do work defensively from that 10 or wherever you put him. So I really didn't like that. They lost 4 nothing to the crew. It it looked – it probably could have been worse. It, it was, you know, really disappointing performance. From what I've heard, though, before heaping on too much, I've heard that they're kind of going to go back to that 3-4-2-1. I guess we'll see come the weekend, and hopefully we'll see um, Ryan Gold, you know, further forward of the field and kind of that double pivot or whatever you want to call it as far as two center mids rather than one DM and two number eights. Like, I, I don't think that that works for the back three.
1: I'm not I'm not too worried about the Caps. that's not to say that I'm not either that there's some like top four team in the West or anything like that like they went across the country to a non-conference opponent and got smacked and had a red card down 2-0 before the red card that sucks no doubt but like I, I don't think they should be panicking by any means Crepo, I think is going to hurt them more than has really been right. talked about we've mostly talked about that as like oh wow LAFC look at look at what this will do for you but if you go back and look at last year and the amount of like expected goals that he didn't let in and the big moments that he had, like dramatic moments, end of game moments, and I know you can be like, well, that's a little out of context," but like somebody has to make plays to win you games or to do to do things that are against sort of like the run of play. Cripo right. did that a lot. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's a tough opening one. But red card, away from home, across the country. It's non-conference. It's not like they gave those three points to somebody in the West and gave them an early jump on them. Uh, I, I'm not too worried about the Vancouver Whitecaps. I, I was impressed, though, by FC Dallas uh, in too. spurts. In spurts is probably the right way to put that. But I've, I've sort of been sitting back thinking, hmm, I think Paul Ariola is actually going to be like a really, really impactful and productive player for them. Um, we've talked a lot about, hey, you know, Estevez and the national team really like Ferreira as this false nine. And I'm, I'm, Still not sold on that, and I, I think you know what Doyle had to say on extra time basically summed it all, summed that up for me. I agree with what he's saying, but we haven't talked enough about how, how Paul Paul was is going to change this team uh, and his directness and his work rate. And he's a better sort of player in the final third than I think USMNT fans in particular have given Certainly. him credit for. Um, he he makes the right passes, he makes the right runs. There are some times where it's not as tidy as it has to, as you'd like it to be. But like he he's going to be in the right spots, and I think he's a pretty good bet to be a guy that's like 15 to 20 goal contributions this year. And and you know it's not at Ace Ace's level, but it goes back and changes who FC Dallas are as a club. I was listening to Tanner Tessman. he's got a podcast now, brings on guys around young guys around Europe. Uh, he's had it good. since he
0: was at, D- at Dallas, by the way.
1: I didn't know that. Like I just I just found it recently because uh, I think he was. Like I don't know, I don't know who's interviewing, but anyway, he said like he thinks that's going to be a big signing because if you looked at Dallas's roster in the past, it was like a bunch of academy guys, and then at least in the near past, and then overseas signings, and not a ton of just like this dude knows MLS, this guy's in the prime of his career, this guy wants to win now, this guy's going to drive us forward. And I think I think Paul is going to be that for them, so uh, I was encouraged by that uh, from I from FC think- Dallas.
0: I think so, too. And I think he's an awesome fit. And I think we're going to see that even more when Alan Velasco is playing at left wing, just because like Hato O'Brien is, you know, I I don't think he was as good as I thought he was going to be when they originally signed him. He's still a fine player. And he, you know, he scored. But I think that if you have like his best attribute is getting in behind and being direct and, you know, trying to get score goals. That's not his best attribute isn't combining for little uh, intricate play with Hayes Ferrer or the midfielders or or anything else that comes from, you know, breaking down a set defense. His best quality is getting in behind and stretching defenders. So you have Paul Arriola who can do that. He's got great pace. He's got great off-ball movement, but he can also combine better kind of in the final third. I think that when uh, Alan Velasco comes into this best 11 instead of Jadro O'Brien, I think that we're going to see a lot better, you know, sequences from Dallas. I think that there was a few times where attacks – maybe didn't they didn't die, but they were put on life support when they came to Hot O'Brien. There's one I remember where um, he's completely scuffed. I think it was an attempted shot or maybe an attempted uh, cross at the back post where Paul Or was wide open at the back post where I think somebody like Alan Velasco would have found him. I think that so I think that there are, is more to come, and because of Paul's verticality, I think that that gives it a really good fit next to Hazes Frower and Alan Velasco. One more kind of opening weekend takeaway. You can either laugh and we can move on if you don't want to talk about it or you, or you have no comment are we sure Matias Almeida isn't tanking?
1: No, because this isn't that much different than what he's
0: been doing the whole time, man. Well, like, wait, how, well, how else do you explain a 3-6-1 with um, uh, Jackson Ewell at, at center back? I, like, I'm not being literal with tanking, but, I mean, it's – it's. Um, I think J. Sam Jones had had the best line. Like, Soccer isn't, isn't this complicated.
1: I don't know, man. I don't have – I've run out of things to say about Matias. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make any sense – it doesn't feel like it's driving good content forward in any way. It doesn't get results. Like, it doesn't do a lot of things. And it doesn't do all the things that normally you want your, your coach to do. So, it, it has felt like the writing is on the wall for a while now. Mm-hmm. And the Quakes, I think, are going to be in a similar sort of position as, you know, that we're talking about the Houston Dynamo, uh, in a sense. Yeah. Of, like, how do, you, how do you restart and build and set a culture outside Matias Almeida if indeed that is what's going to happen. And if it isn't going to be what's happening, which, by the way, if I was shocked that the Dynamo were going to sign Ace Ace six months ago, (laughs) I would be way more shocked if in 10 months Almeida is still the coach of of the (laughs) San Jose Earthquakes. But, like, I don't know. How do you do something now that works? And how do you build towards something at the end of of this confusing reign that's going to push you into the future? Because it just hasn't. Hasn't been there, man. Hasn't been there. Give me a pause. Yeah. One more po- Come on, man. That was a negative. <laughs> positive. Positive. All right. Quick pause <laughs> right. just to, to, like, get us out of opening weekend here.
0: Uh, Austin FC, um, five goals, no matter who you put it on, no matter what you want to say about FC Cincinnati or their recent history or their current roster, I think that that's super impressive. I think that this was a team that I think we all kind of pegged them for an improvement. I don't know if many of us necessarily pegged them for a playoff berth, but, like, there is a real scenario that, that is easily you don't have to squint too hard to see where that they kind of get into the playoffs in the bottom of the west that and, and they're this well drilled uh team with you know with the top end talent of Sebastian Driuscio if Cecilio Dominguez is consistent if either Musa Gite or Maxi Rudy or whoever's playing at center forward gives you enough even if it's just replacement level with those two DPs around him and then if, if Johan Valencia in the midfield is something that they desperately needed and i think that you know one thing i try to do is, is i don't think that we notice enough of what a real number six can do to a team. And it takes, it makes bad teams decent. It makes decent teams good. And we'll see if, if he is the right signing. They needed a player in that mold. Hopefully that he works out because I think that that was a good statement performance. It's, you know, you, again, we can quibble about it. They didn't exactly beat NYCFC five nil, but eh, they didn't pick their schedule. And what they did is went out there and did exactly what they did the best that they possibly could have been expected to five nil win, move on to week two. But if you
1: could pick your week one
0: schedule as Austin FC, <laughs> you would pick Probably. FC Cincinnati
1: to come to your house. Like, you got to think that Josh Wolf and like that entire technical staff, when they got that schedule release, you know, the club, the president, everybody involved, like, oh, thank God. Like, this <laughs> Co- is counterpoint this is exactly what we need. Like, we could not have we, this, this is on a silver
0: platter for us. Fair enough, but counterpoint the back of your mind be like oh my god what if we're not ready what if there's a week one fluke what if we drop points that's in the back of your mind austin
1: on for for three times spoon winner fc cincinnati who i want to say had four wins last year and didn't win at their stadium one time you're already then you're already hosed like you're already done if that's your thought (laughs) if
0: your thought is not we are going to beat these dudes up
1: then just then you're already out of it
0: well, that, that sounds like it's coming from uh, a, a writer with self-doubt rather than, you know, elite a- athletes who are self-confident of everything. That's true. That's um, true. <laughs> moving on, kind of last thing here, um, trying something new. New is relative, given this is the second episode. I think that I'm just going to run through some, I guess, nuggets, scoops that I've got, and I'll let you kind of riff off them. You ready?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that.
0: All right. Uh, well, it's good, because I make the rules here, so it doesn't really matter. That's true. That that uh,
1: was that was a rhetorical question that I had no impact
0: <laughs> on. Go! Well, thank you for playing anyway. Uh, for sources, I know this isn't a surprise. It's been reported before. FC Dallas have signed or finalizing the signing of Ecuador center back. I'm probably going to get this wrong. Joshua Quinones. Um, he's a 20-year-old. He's got one cap with the Ecuadorian senior national team. Plays for SC Barcelona in Ecuador, not in Spain. And he will be added to the roster as a U22 initiative signing, per source. I
1: like it. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not exactly. Not exactly. news. Uh, another one with Jesse March taking over at Leeds. Um, when this was kind of in the process, I was asking around. I know that in the winter, Leeds tried very, very hard to get Brendan Aronson in immediately. And they left it at, we're assuming that, you know, talks are going to resume and something's going to happen for the summer. Um, per sources, the overwhelming assumption is that there will be a deal reached for Brendan Aronson to go from Red Bull Salzburg to Leeds in the summer. So long as they, as Leeds don't get relegated, I believe that they're in 16th, like, three points up on the drop zone, but a couple of teams in relegation have a couple of games in hand on them. So it's a little bit more dicey than I think folks would have expected. And that's the reason why uh, Martin Bielsa has has left. Um, There is obviously a relationship between Jesse Marsh and Brandon Aronson from their half season together at Salzburg. That is uh, a relationship that is strong. Jesse Marsh and Brandon's first coach, Jim Curtin, are best friends. So that helps a lot. But if it was Bielsa, if it was Marsh, if it was whoever, the expectation still would have been for Aronson to go to Leeds.
1: Uh, This, to me, speaks to sort of, um, you know, there's some, there's some fortunateness for Brennan Aronson in the sense that Jesse was at Salzburg and this ideal Mm -hmm. landing spot for him that he may uh, be at Leeds in the Premier League. Like I'm just, he's obviously at Leeds, but Premier League part we don't know about. For these logical jumps at the right times in his career, uh, into systems and styles of play that he is both familiar with and has thrived in before. Uh, so if this is indeed the case, I think it'd be a great move uh, for Brendan Aronson to go into uh, a step up in leagues and a significant step up with somebody with whom he's familiar and who has confidence in him and will give him every chance in the world to, to reach his potential in that environment. And just seems like every time Brennan has been put into a new environment, he's risen to it. And so, yeah. you know, no reason to doubt that he, he can't do that uh, again. And that would be, a, you know, I think just when you talk about sort of like career, early career management. You know, whether it be within the Union and then to Salzburg. And now if this happens, like you got to applaud Brendan and the people around him. Of course, his play is what earns him those opportunities. So uh, it's just super encouraging to see as an American fan. And a great fit
0: tactically. Uh, moving on, as Michael Singh first reported, I think about a month ago, that Toronto FC and Kamar Lawrence would be moving on from one another. Um, I updated that last week, kind of right before Russell compliance, that nothing had been done yet. I'm told that there is something in the works. Um, It sounds close-ish. I don't know where or how it is. We'll see if anything gets done soon. But, um, yeah, Kamar Lawrence, you know, as it shouldn't be a surprise, he wasn't included in any preseason roster. He wasn't on the game day roster in their opening weekend. Kamar Lawrence will be leaving Toronto FC. Uh, TBD where that is, but it sounds like there should be something soon. I guess we'll see.
1: Uh, What do you think? Do you think he stays in the league?
0: Um, It's probably, I mean, again, I don't, this is without any inside knowledge or anything. I think so, because I think that, you know, he went to anderlecht He came back within, what, a year, year and a half. So, I, I'd imagine he still has value within MLS. I'd imagine that he'd be an upgrade for a number of teams that left back. I don't know what his contract situation is and, and kind of where teams can fit him under the cap. But if I had to guess, I, I'd, I'd say probably.
1: Yeah, I want to see, see some more good stuff from Taxi, one of those guys that, like, mm-hmm. you still think back at his dominant seasons and he was so good. Like, if you get a little bit of that, somebody could use it. Yeah,
0: Singular force for uh, that Red Bull um, supporter supporters show team. Staying in Toronto, kill Marshall Ruddy. Um, there's obviously big, big interest. There's not a ton new here for me. Just like a summing up that you know his agent Mike Sankowski told TSN that Toronto want 20 million. One source told me that Toronto could probably get 10 million from tomorrow if they wanted to. I do know that as I reported that he went on the the training stint with Liverpool and Arsenal and Club Bruges in the in the offseason. Liverpool love him. They played him at right back pretty immediately. He liked that. Euro Euroclub love him at right back and right wing back. Um, and some other folks, I know Doyle's already said this, so I'll just pin it on Doyle that, that he's talked to people that he's kind of the, the, the biggest elite level prospect kind of in the league right now.
1: Yeah, just watch him while you can, folks. That's, that's what I would say. Like, yes. Yeah. We're at, we're at a point uh, in MLS where it used to be like, oh, yeah, give it some time. Who knows if they even get sold? What might happen? TBD. We're, we're at a point now
0: where if, if,
1: if you have a question or you're like, ah, oh, why should I watch Toronto? Shaquille
0: marshall is a good answer to that question. Yeah, and I think that uh, between, between Shaquille marshall Ruddy and Chicago fire goalkeeper, Gaga Solanita, there will be a lot of reports and rumors, uh, particularly in the summer. So keep an eye on both of those because he turns 18 in the summer. I think Gaga turns 18 soon, so things can get real. Rather, well, actually, by the yeah, way, e- by the way
1: for... uh, if you're listening, Gaga Solanita on Extra 10 tomorrow
0: for folks <laughs> out there that are uh, into that sort of thing. Perfect. Um, can't wait to listen to that. Um, let's see. Last week, I said DC United are still shopping Ola Kamara. He is very available. He'd be somebody who could free up a lot of allocation money for them. Um, I know you guys theorize pretty good. Colorado would make sense. You know, again, I don't know what the market is. I don't know who's interested. I don't know how much DC want. But um, yeah, Colorado is one of the teams that would probably make sense because they could just put him on a DP spot because they currently don't have any DPS. But yeah, uh, Ola Kamara is very available.
1: If I was uh, if I was
0: Colorado, I'd wait till the last possible second
1: and try to get the number as low as I could. I mean, the flip side is how much of a difference are you going to make on that uh, right. when you need a nine right now? It's not. I don't think that their season's going to, like, slip away. I don't think having your heart broken, though that wasn't a performance to hang your hat on in CCL and, and indicative of some of their larger issues, and then going to LAFC and getting whooped by Carlos Vela is a reason to panic. To me, this is going to be a, a playoff team and, like, probably yeah. not top three, but, like, a, a solid-ish playoff team. But then, you're, then it goes back to where we're talking about the Dynamo. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're there. Like, everybody else is making a ton of moves. Everybody else is trying <laughs> to get better. Like, everybody else is spending money on difference makers that can take them over the top or can win games on their own. And I'm not saying that Ola Kamara is that. But in the face of not doing that, they need somebody who is just efficient and effective and makes the right runs in the box and finishes when the ball – uh, when, when, they, when they find the ball. Like, that, that's what yes. they need. And – I don't know what the number would be. You, like, if you had to throw out an allocation number that you think would get that deal done, what would you throw um, out? What's just your very, gut
0: say? Not very high, just because of what his contract is. I'm pretty sure his contract is Max Tam. And, again, the fact that they are shopping him rather than people are calling about him. Can you make him that, DP? Yeah. And that would just free up. Oh, so, so that's why yeah, Colorado is. It's
1: perfect for Colorado, then.
0: Um, so... Yeah, yeah that, get them. On, I, don't, get I don't know
1: dollars on. They're going to try to. Che- they're going to try to get this, yeah. the number down as low as possible, and that's that's I, what they should but do.
0: For me, I, just, I, don't know, I don't. I don't see how he moves the needle. Um, again, going back to what you guys were saying on extra time, if I call Colorado, I'd be smashing the phones trying to see what the Jassy's artist market is. Uh, but that's just me. Um, speaking of markets, Canadian, international, and Minnesota United goalkeeper Dane St. Clair is somebody that a number of MLS teams reached out to Minnesota about his availability, including the New England Revolution. Uh, but those advances were rejected without official offers being made because it was clear that both parties were not going to be close enough. Uh, you know, one source he went as far as to say they might want Cray Poe money, uh, another Canadian international, obviously at different stages of their career. He went for one million game. Uh, but another source said, you know, maybe 600000 could do it. I guess we'll see. What I do know is that his contract is not the money that you pay a backup goalie. So whether it's Miller or Dane St. Clair, I think that this is something to watch as we get to the summer.
1: When did they resign him?
0: Uh, last year, last year, something like that. I think, year, I think he's in the it, second it, year of this new deal, or yeah. it might have only went into effect this
1: year. Yeah, I was going to say because twenty twenty one has him making like a hundred k. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, it's definitely bumped up from that. This is going to be an ongoing thing for the Revs, right? Like they've got X number of months to do this, and everybody knows they need to get it done. It's not like they're, mm-hmm. you know, they hope they they can move themselves into a position of relative luxury of like if Edwards can continue to play well, but you would still think they're going to go out and try to get him what they would think of as a number one caliber goalkeeper, and within the league, everybody's going to know that. So yeah. yeah, I would I would sit on it if I was Minnesota too. Try to drive the value up. Also yeah. playing, not playing him. I don't know. Maybe not playing him is a good thing because then the value comes hurt hurts down. That,
0: yeah, it's yeah. like okay. Yeah. Um, last one before I let everybody go. US Youth International and Barcelona Academy goalkeeper Diego Cochin um, has signed an agreement to continue his development at Barcelona um, because he's fifteen. That isn't literally a professional contract, but there was something signed for him to continue his development in Barcelona. He is, he was with the USU 17s at their last camp. Uh, again, he turned 16, I think in three weeks, he is a uh, dual national for Peru for Venezuela and he's not a Spanish citizen yet, but apparently that's close or close enough that the Spanish Federation absolutely has the, him on the radar and absolutely has interest in him. So that's a, is another dual national panic to look at and you know uh one of two Americans at Barcelona I've already reported that Adrian uh Adrian Gill is in the process of signing his first pro contract he recently turned 16 so that's uh an, another kind of american lens at barcelona
1: Yeah man it's awesome jacked <laughs> up for the kid <laughs> like it's like as i have to say that's awesome man that's just cool I
0: don't did know did you see the picture it. that the, did you see the picture that they put I I think I tweeted it out it was um it's it's him and, and two people. I forget if if one's his father or if they're both from Barcelona, but whatever it is. And because there's three people, you can't do a photo with a handshake. There's three people. So I think that they were trying to figure out how do we how do we post this picture. So it was like, you know, like everybody put your hands in for a huddle. Like one, two, three, Barcelona. That's what it looks like. It was like a nice. post picture with just I, three I think hands they should, on top they of it. You should put
1: him in the middle and he should do the like right hand to the left, left hand to the right, <laughs> and do like the cross handshake. You can get creative with this. It's not like it's a pro contract, man. Like, do what you want. Have some fun. But uh, regardless, the fact that it's two Americans in Barcelona in, a, in and of itself is very, very cool. So, yeah. exciting. Go, Diego. Oh,
0: I... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what the photo looks like. All right. That'll do it for us. Uh, Weeby, thank you so much as, as the unofficial king of Twitter Spaces. One before I let you go. A little exit interview. How was it? How did it feel not being in the host chair? You, try, you tried to run a couple mutinies to take the host chair for me. I think that I... Kind of uh, battered you off and, and got you back to your ship a little bit. How did it feel?
1: Yeah, you managed my expectations perfectly. You uh,
0: <laughs>
1: you know you gave me a couple openings, but if I tried to you know if I tried to make a a run that was a little too little too deep or exposed the team a little too much, you called me back. You know, gave me a little talking to. So I appreciate that, man. I love that you're doing this. Uh, I think it is uh, awesome. The amount of information, and I'm I'm just like on my. Uh, I'm at the dais right now speaking to everybody who already knows this because they listen to the show. Uh, The amount of information, the amount of uh, joy and fun and just like, oh, my God, what's happening in the transfer window Uh, and confirmations and reporting that you've done over the past six months, but much, much longer than that is truly invaluable and awesome and makes my job and my life better. And I appreciate you. So how's that for managing I appreciate-
0: expectations? <laughs> I appreciate the kind words. I owe you, Doyle, everybody else a great deal, but enough sappy, serious stuff. Thank you for joining me. Uh, look forward to talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Hold up. What was that?